Koto and welcome back to another episode of Code with Kingy where we are recapping round 5 of Super Rugby Aotearoa and joining me once again is the bro, Tim Young. Well, kia ora Tim and welcome back on to Code with Kingy where we are recapping round 5 which was the halfway point of Super Rugby Aotearoa in Those bloody blues. <laughs> bloody blues. Love yeah. them to bits but me oh my oh boy oh boy like the great Justin Marshall said, they cost me. Right at the 78th minute. I guess we'll get to some of the talking points um, later on in the piece, considering that's our second game. Um, but why don't we go to the first one? Mm. Uh, I guess that old reverse psychology worked for me in the end, with the, with the <laughs> Hurricanes coming away with the win, bro. But yeah, I'll pass the mic to you and get your thoughts on what transpired on Friday night. Well, I love the old Marty Banks banter page where they said if they didn't have a Geordie Barrett, the Highlanders would have won 19 zip. So... <laughs> It was really, it was really the Geordie Barrett show, wasn't it? In terms of all the points being scored, but there are some great connections throughout that backline, and the nine ten combo actually really surprised me. Um, Highlanders, you know, they were they were pretty strong. Didn't really expect their scrum to go backwards quite like it did. But that being said, I would have thought Dane Coles would have been fizzing to get back into that. But yeah, really enjoyed the game. I think the biggest takeaway for me was just the Highlanders' lack of patience or just the errors that they it sort of creeped into their game as it went on. I mean, it wasn't like they were without their own opportunities. I mean, there were a number of times where I thought that the Hurricanes scrambled really well. There was the one mm. tackle that Ryasi made. And then, oh no, I don't think it was Ryasi. I think Jordy Barrett came over and made the tackle and then Ryasi had the turnover, like literally like right on the goal line. Uh, and it was just like, if like the Highlanders had their own opportunities in the red zone. And even towards that second half, they creep into the Hurricanes' half and end up turning the ball over, whether it be from a loose carry, a poor clean, or just, you know, some, some excellent work over the ball by the likes of Karifi, mm. Princep, or Sevilla. But, yeah, I guess the, the show really did belong to Geordie Barrett. And as impressed as I was with his play, obviously, like when you score three tries and you kick that well off the tee from the distance yeah. that he does, it's hard not to give him a round of applause. But... It was a weird performance because I don't think he actually, you know, well, like obviously he stand like what am I trying to say here? Obviously he stood out with with like with all the stuff that I just mentioned, but it wasn't yeah. like crazy what he was doing. He was almost like right place, right time. Yeah. Like that first yeah, try, exactly. I mean, it, it was a poor tackle by Vahakolo. Um, mm-hmm. and you I mean you, you got to sort of give that guy a break considering it was his first start. The second one, he he pops off a nice Rayasi offload, which sort of came out of nothing. There was just a bit of magic by the yeah. left winger. That was SAS magic right there. Yeah, 100%, bro. How good's that guy going? Oh, mate, um, he's, going all, he's going great. He is going great. Bro, I think a little gem for them and the Hurricanes moving forward. But then, and then even the last try, it was just a set play move where Lamapi shaped back inside and just hit Barrett on that inside ball, which is a move that the Hurricanes have done in the past. So, yeah, I mean, like, yeah. besides his kicking stuff, because we all know how big a booty he has and how accurate it is, like, I didn't think his tries were just, like, magical, like some of the stuff you maybe saw from Damian McKenzie on the Saturday night and, and in previous weeks. But, yeah, it's going to be interesting uh, for the All Black selectors come test time because Geordie Barrett, you know, it wasn't like he was out of the frame, but I think that people were a little underwhelmed with some of the performances he put in so far. And that just came off the back of his team not doing very well. But mm. I think that this game that's just gone past, you know, considering 
what had happened against the Chiefs and you know a lot of people sort of throwing some muck at him about him not taking as much of the load off the, the debutant first five All Black, uh, not All Black, Auburn Ledger. Yeah. Um, I thought that he really um answered his critics on on Friday and yeah, I mean like it's it's as, your guess is as good as mine as to like who really gets first came to it. I mean you've got him who sort of seemed to be the heir apparent to his brother. You got Damian McKenzie who. Look, is looking more like the first five answer for the Chiefs, but is equally as dangerous at fullback. You got Will yep. Jordan, and then you even got the likes of David Havili, who even though he's not playing there, you know, is more than capable of playing there at the Test level. But as even touching on years. that, mate, you just look at what the Highlanders have uncovered with Connor Garden Basher, mm. and the impact he had with Thomas Umunga Jensen off the, off the uh, the old Pinewood. You know, they they were they were pretty impactful in what they did, but. You could also see the intent as well as Falao Fakatava brought some brought some energy yeah, into the game as well. Uh, yeah, like you're bang on there. Like I do like the way that the Highlanders play, but I'm I'm not sure what's quite missing for them there because, yep, they probably don't have the forward pack, and especially with the news that Liam Squire is now out for the rest of the season, yeah. which must be a huge blow for them moving forward. Oh, I know. Um, like I thought that Frizzell, besides his his mishap when he went to slam the ball down like it was American football, which <laughs> was, was 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 you know which um like if you were to look at it in the context of when it happened during the game, it was quite a big deal, you know I think that it might have swung momentum back their way, but you know like that's hearsay now, but yeah the I just thought the Highlanders would be more up for it, you know it being such a special occasion for Aaron Smith, mm. um they're back at home in front of the crowd, but yeah just. Never seem they never seem to get that groove, and even when they did have field position, now whether it be you know you got to give the Hurricanes a pat on the back for the D that they were bringing up off the line, you know in terms of with their line speed, or yeah maybe they need to just have a little bit more accuracy around their carries and their cleans um, heading into this weekend's clash against the Crusaders. I oh, know, but I think I think before we move on to the next game, we've really got to tap our hats to Joshua Arnie in terms of what. He was able to accomplish in that fifteen jersey. I know that might be a, a foreign position for him, but he carried for one hundred and three meters, one hundred and five meters, I think. He had twelve carries, um, but you know, I guess again, it, there weren't many points scored by him. He only scored about four points, which were from two converted tries. Um, but you know, he was he was positive. He definitely on the stat sheet outplayed Jordy Barron in that position. Mm. It was just Jordy Barrett got all the glory with those thirty points that he was able to add from the three tries and the and the six from six goal kicking. Yeah, very opportunistic game mm. um, from Barrett, as I alluded to earlier. And yeah. Yeah, on the point of Iwani, I am a big fan of him. Um, yeah. I, I love the way that he plays the game. He's got one of the most beautiful passes in the country at the moment, and he seems to be a guy that, like even what Tony Brown talked about last week, by moving into fullback, who plays better with a little bit more freedom. Yeah. Um. But then at the same time, I feel like Mitch Hunt is similar to that in that he plays better when he has a bit more freedom when he's roaming around in the back. And I thought that even though he looks at him looks at himself as a ten and he probably runs the cutter really well at the minor ten cup level, I just haven't quite seen it enough the consistency. You know, when he's having to really marshal around the troops. You know, from that real dictator position playing at ten. Um, yeah, I think I think also you know, jumping to the uh, to the Hurricanes now. You've really got to. Be, uh, I guess, in a sense, happy with how how the uh, the the lock combo as well as the loose forward combos um, worked well together in terms of the defensive side. Mm. They really put up a yellow wall um, 
that weekend. Like you see, you look at Scully Scrafton and um, Isaiah Walker Leary going over 10 tackles apiece. Big, big work rate from them. Reed Princip, I think he hit 13 or 14. Dupesley Karefi, he topped the the uh, tackle tackle count for both teams at 18. Um, and he, got, he got a pretty honourable mention by the commentators for that effort. And then, yeah, you got, you got Savia, who was who was out there roaming, not only being a two-way player, both on, the, on attack and defence. So, mate, yeah, they had a really strong showing from their forward pack, whereas if you have a look at the at the Landers, yeah, they were a bit... A few players went missing, you know. Aaron Smith topped the tackle count for the for the Highlanders. So the the story really just shows there that the defence wasn't quite up to scratch. Mm. Yeah, I guess more so on that front line. I, I like the look of that Japanese loose four that they brought on. I thought that he brought a lot of energy. I mean, like, yeah. the Highlanders bench, you know, just the way that the, the Highlanders do have energy when they play, it's just mm. about turning that energy into points, which they haven't really been able to do so far on a consistent basis. And then on the flip side of things, then stop teams from scoring points. But, yeah, and it, it's unfortunate because they look to be out of the mix now, just considering how fast this competition rolls on. But I, it wouldn't surprise me if if we see the Highlanders sort of clicking into gear come, you know, week 8, 9, 10, because I, they, they just seem like that sort of side. They need a bit of time to gel. But, yeah, unfortunately, that's not the way that these sorts of competitions work. And we're yeah. going to have to, um, yeah, we, we're going to that. Going to have to hope that maybe there is a miracle at Orange Theory Stadium on Saturday night. But, again, I don't see that happening. But, I mean, like, you've got several of the guys. Is there anyone else you want to, like, tip your hat to yeah. before we move on to the next game? No, no, you know, it's just, I guess they'll be preparing and moving on for next week. But, yeah, I guess you can introduce the uh, second round five game. It didn't go quite my way. I'm still a bit dark about that, you know. 78th minute, Damien McKenzie. Oh, God. What can that guy not do, mate? I mean, he, like, he did it all on Saturday night. Uh, I think the only flaw that I could really pick out from his game was perhaps that cross kick at the last... Well, in the last like five minutes, which then go to yeah. hand to to Anton to, Brown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But fifteen twelve that game. Um, and I put up an Instagram post earlier today, showing that the Blues took, uh, they actually turned down six kickable penalties of the nine that they were awarded. And I mean, you look yep. at that scoreline like I just reflected. They lose by three points. And um, I, I mean, I, I'll go. We'll, we'll go straight to the first point that comes to mind for me. Uh, that offload from Luke Jacobson to Chase Tiertier. Backwards or yep. forwards? Backwards. I think I think alluding to what Leon McDonald said, um, you know, when the boys play at pace, when rugby players are playing playing at pace and when in, in the moment it, it looked it looked, you know, it looked to be in online. But, you know, when you slow things down and it can distort the the view of it, but if you look mm. at it at full at full teat, yeah, no, nah, I, I was I was pretty comfortable with that being given. Yeah, I, I like going back on it. Like from first glance, I actually did think it went forward, but looking at the way that the referees are ruling this, um, mm. as long as the ball is traveling backwards out of the hand, it, it seems to be all good. It doesn't matter like where the ball ends up or where the guy ends up catching it. Um, it's just, yeah, like you said, with the way that these guys are moving and, and the pace at which they're moving, like passes are going to look forward. But I guess if the intent or the, the backwards motion is shown from the hands, 
um, then it's given the all-clear. But in saying all of that, I don't think the, the Blues deserve to win that game, um, considering how shoddy their set piece was. I mean, the Chiefs was as well. It was it was a weird night, considering it was almost perfect conditions um, in yeah. the Tron, but neither team looked to actually stamp their dominance at line-out time. Ooh. And then at the scrums, I mean, like, fuck, we went on about the four all-black props that they had. Oh, but they were going they backwards. backwards. I know, and you've got to you've got to tip your hat to oh, who who was playing the loose there for the uh, for the Chiefs? It was um, Angus Tyvell. No, he's on the tidy. He's a righty tidy. It was Aiden Ross, mate. He was he was absolutely dominating. Um, Nipple Lalala pulling. He was he was angling in on him. He was he was just doing all the dark arts tricks. <laughs> Then you've got a guy like Gus who's, you know, he's more known for his motor around the field than he is for his, um, his scrummaging, I would say, in terms of when you're looking at the front row stocks. But he had a very, very strong performance against Alex Hodgman, who is, you know, and I would regard as probably the number two. Oh, yeah, at the moment, number two. Two loose head prop behind old big old Carl. Interesting. Yeah, but I, I just want to say also, um, for me, standout for the Blues was Dalton Papali'i. 20 tackles, four turnovers, and I think it was him and Luke Jacobson going tip for tap at one point getting over that ball, and it was one penalty there, one penalty to him, and it was just exciting to watch in terms of watching defence, you know. It's sometimes a... a, a a complaint about our game, but when you actually see two guys in former 20s, guys from the same team, just going at it, it was just really, really exciting to watch. And, you know, he had, Dalton had a massive task against Sam Kane, obviously the all-black captain. I think he really, really showed what he was worth out there during that game. 100%. It's fair to say that we don't have any shortage of decent loose forwards, both now um, and casting our eye to the future. Yeah. Um. But but yeah. I guess like if I were to, I guess give my yeah my assessment of that game was just it's more so the Blues' arrogance. I I, I think that the, the you know the way that they've been carrying themselves of late. I mean it's good in a way. You know they they really are operating like Jeffers at the moment. Um. <laughs> if if you want to put it that way. But I think that it's sort of boiled over. Um. I mean I I wish that they well I would have thought they would have learned a bit from their defeat against the Crusaders the previous weekend. You know the the fit the they were pretty much put under scoreboard pressure with Richie yeah. Mwanga just banging over all those goals when they had about a, a five, six-point lead. Mm. And then, yeah, the, the Blues have a number of opportunities in the first half just to get points on the they board. Just didn't, they just didn't shift that last pass. That last pass, you know, they had, a three again, a three-on-one overlap or a two-on-one overlap, or they just had, you know, if it went through the hands, they would have been able to pick up an extra 20 metres on a carry. Instead, they just decide, you know, to straighten up and, and tuck under the wing and hit the line hard. And sometimes that's a good decision. Sometimes it's not the best. But, you know, they're going at such a fast pace, it's hard It's hard out there. But I think, yeah, Mark Talia, you know, for the amount of pill he got shoveled all night, I think he did quite well with what he got given. Mm. Um, I, yeah. But, yeah, then again, you look at Chase Tears here who came off the bench and, man, he was electric. <laughs> he was... <laughs> He was good. I, I really do think that Caleb Trask has probably played his last game in the 10 jersey for a while. I thought that he was um, he left a lot to be desired with his performance. I and I just think that, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think that's all it is. He's, he's just young. Um, give him time. 
Oh, absolutely. He, he'll come to it because you can see what he what he was doing with the Bay of Plenty. And but he was playing more at fullback, though. He wasn't mm. playing at 10. Well, and whether that's an option to explore, you know, um, could be one, you know. He can he can play at 15 and understand the game from the back a bit better. See see what, what is going on in front of him and, you know, move Damien to uh, back from 15 into the 10 slot and just, you know, but you got to wonder what the All Black selectors want. You know, it, they, yeah. they can sometimes have an influence on where boys play. It's it, yeah, it's interesting for me because you you've got the strike weapon and chase tier tier, who I think can bring and you know impact the game from a starting perspective. But I do think mm. he's very similar to Damien to when you throw him into the mix when there's tired bodies, that's when he does his best work. And yeah, I I think I think you've, you're onto a great point there. Maybe it is worth maybe just switching Trask and McKenzie around, taking a bit more of the responsibility off Trash shoulders and letting Damo run the cutter and then maybe just bobbing and out and then maybe with half an hour to go, mm. that's when you throw tier tier in. Because the Chiefs do look like a team that do better off the cuff, maybe when there's a, a little less structure into the game, very similar to the to the Hurricanes of old where, you know, the Hurricanes had a pretty decent loose forward trio, but their tight five wasn't the greatest, but they had a pretty star-studded back line. And... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, a guy that I've got on in the past and that I thought that maybe wasn't up to it from a defensive perspective was Quintu Pyre. And although his game was largely revolved around all of his attacking right. exploits and maybe yeah, that last he was, pass he, was, he looks to push a little bit too yeah. much, but, yeah, I he mean... He's good. Yeah. He's showing he's showing some real, real um, promise there in that 12 jersey. You know, he's, he's still young again. You look at his, You look at him... And his age and, and the responsibility he has, but he was effective. He was with ball in hand, and he also, you know, he had a, he had a tough ask in terms of, you know, Rico Iwani running some angles in on him because of Harry Plummer playing in, uh, at 12. But when you look at Harry Plummer, I'm just not convinced that he's the, uh, he's the right guy for the great player and all, but I just don't think he's, he's, the, he's a 12. Maybe chuck Tom Robinson off the bench there. <laughs> Mate, that run for that meat pie was fantastic. I'm, I'm was... going to be very surprised if that guy doesn't get any calls saying, like, Mate, you can have our sixth jersey because it doesn't look like he's going to be, going to be able to budge out Papali'i uh, or Akiri Iwani. And then you've got Hoskins a 2-2 playing number eight. Now, unless they mm. sort of shift him more towards the lock position, although I'm I'm not quite sure if he's there with from from a height perspective, but fuck yeah, I mean, imagine how much. I mean, again, like he is coming off the bench, but how good would it look, you know, for him to be in a Hurricanes jersey starting at six or <laughs> down, or maybe not so down think, at the I Landers because Shannon Frizzell's already got the six there, you know. Just, I, I, think, I think that he is a player that's more. It'd be a color clash with the yellow and the ginger, so uh, maybe maybe chuck him in a in a in a Sather's jersey. No, they don't need any more good players, bro. They, they've, they've probably got a number six coming through the ranks that we haven't even heard about who's going to be an All Black. Yeah, so, but then you've got yeah. Mitch Brown, mate, and he's a promising he's a promising sort. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like, There seems to be a few guys that are sort of, I don't know, caught behind a couple of decent starters at, at certain super clubs who I think that would you know, suit other teams you know, and, and yeah. their deficiencies. But again, like you have to take into consideration that it does sort of go beyond the rugby field and you know mm. guys are usually settled somewhere if their partners are settled somewhere 
and that's mm. what works in. But but it is promising, and I do like the uh, Blues bench. I think they've got probably one of the strongest benches in the in the comp in terms of when they get productivity. Like you're bringing you bring Carl and Offer off the bench. You know, Offer. He kind of he's kind of reminding me like that. Uh, like you know that where Kevin Mialamu was at his best when he was coming off at sixteen, mm. and and the All Blacks had the most dominant bench in world rugby, and that's when you see them go from being at half time fifteen twelve kind of game, then to look at the scoreboard at full time, and they've blown it out by th- twenty or thirty points. Um, yeah, Offer I think is. Yeah, he's I reckon he's a specialist off the bench kind of a kind of a guy, and he plays both um, sides as well. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. But then you've also got Jared Kelly Toyoti. That guy's a workhorse, and you know he might not do the flashiest things around the park, but he's head down, ass up, and into it. Yeah, so. there there is something to be said by having a few toilers in the mix because you can't have everybody wanting to run with the mm. ball or putting in the big hits. You need someone yeah. to run those support lines and make the chop tackles. Yeah, yeah, and I did like how they started uh, Finlay Christie this week. That was a real positive. I yeah, I Jonathan Jonathan Rudu. Even when he came on, I'm, I'm not I'm not his biggest fan, but he's actually had a bit of an impact the last couple of weeks. Mm. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, Sam not, might find it hard pressed to get any game time anytime soon, if, especially if those two are putting in decent shifts, bro. But yeah, I think that I think that's a, a wrap on both the games, man. But before I let you yeah. go, I've just got a quick segment to run by you, which is called Run or Pass. So I've just got five points um, from what I saw over the weekend, and you just tell me whether you're going to run with them. Or you're passing on them. Mm-hmm. All right, point number one. Geordie Barrett proved that he's the best 15 in the country with his display against the Highlanders. Yeah, I'll run that. I'll run that straight. <laughs> Not even Will Jordan can perhaps woo you over? Not yet. Yeah, fair, bro. I'm in the exact same boat. Uh, the Highlanders are too one-dimensional because they can only play fast. Um, I think they need to have a few lock-ins, a few court sessions. So I th- I'll run with that one, and they can run to the to the lock-in and have a have a good old court session and figure out some some of that Highlanders magic from 2015 when you know you had the likes of Elliot Dixon, Liam Squires, and Co leading the charge. Yeah, yeah, mate. Yeah, a few spates, you know. Yeah, a few spates questions, you know, to the stars. <laughs> It's not a bad call. Okay, point number three. With Lachlan Bushier and Atu Moli yet to return and the likes of Peter Gus Sawakula just getting back to full fitness, is the best still yet to come for the Chiefs? Ooh. I might pass on that. You think that Chiefs fans should soak it up while they still have a bit of limelight? Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. they've still got to play the Hurricanes and the Highlanders again, which, going off what we've seen, those those could be two winnable games for them. But, Potentially. Yeah, but but at the same time, I thought that, yeah, I think a lot of what happened, well, what transpired on Saturday, as good as it did, was, was more at fault with the Blues. But, hey, a win is a win, and they've got two, while the Hurricanes and Highlanders both have one. But yeah. talking about their opponents that they had on the weekend, the Blues handled themselves um, with that Jaffa swagger like I mentioned earlier in the piece, but <laughs> they haven't quite walked the talk. Would you agree with that in terms of they're more so like giving off that persona that they're trying to like fake it before they make it? Nah. Oh. 
I think they're still trying to find themselves. Um, oh, oh, you know, far out. I'll probably, yeah, I'll probably pass on that one, mate. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big believer in the yeah. team that they have at the moment. Yeah. But I thought that the moment got the better of them against the Crusaders, you know, with all the hype around it. I thought that the Crusaders' experience really showed when it came down to the nitty-gritty in that game. And I thought that they had the opportunity to slaughter the Chiefs because I thought that they'd be able to do a number on them in the forwards. But again, like I mentioned, their set piece didn't fire, which screwed things um, up for the backs. And then, you know, the fact that they turned down so many points when they themselves were under scoreboard pressure the, the week before, and, and I thought what I learned from that. And then in the latter stages of that game, so... But in saying that, I, I, I rate the confidence from that team mm. to turn down the three and go for the five. Like it's, a double, it's a double-edged sword. Like, yeah, gambling. I, like yeah. They could play the most boringest footy that game against the Chiefs um, and have knocked over, what was it, you, you, your stats said, was it six or nine shots Six, goal? yeah, so six yeah, of their six. nine penalties were in kickable yeah. distances. From kickable distance, I, I rated the, those calls and it created some exciting attacking opportunities yeah they didn't capitalize and that was the same thing that happened to them against the uh the satyrs the week before but i think they just keep doing what they're doing just keep going for those tries keep going for them meat pies see typically i'd be the same but i think that you sort of have to look at the the opposition that you're playing and the chiefs actually haven't created a lot of play themselves like i mentioned mm. they're a team that seem to do well when the game's sort of up in the air and, and disorganised. Like, and that's what you sort of see in that second half. So I thought that they would have been better off to you know, perhaps kick six to nine points in that first half just to get the points on the board because, again, their set piece wasn't firing. And I guess in the end, you know, they, they were on the wrong side of the ledger. You know, three points was the difference. And, you know, like I said, six penalties. What's that, 18 points? Although, you know, like some of them, you know, were difficult and Autity Black did miss a, a relatively easy shot at goal. But... I guess the penalty that I point to was the one where they had the, the rolling mall try disallowed because it was like a truck and trailer sort of buzz. And they decided to kick to the corner, and like I just mentioned, that call didn't go their way. But they're up by five at that point, and Altity Black's shown that he has a pretty good radar or pretty good boot on him as of late. And I think that he easily could have kicked that with 10 to go, and that makes it an eight-point game and puts the pressure on the Chief to score twice. And I just think that's the call that the Crusaders would have made. Yeah. Um, but again, like you said, they, they have like... Uh, they have a bit of a wider around them at the moment, and they've just been on the wrong side of it the last two weeks. But I think I think if they played Crusader rugby, you know, build the build the pressure by scoring those quick, easy points. You know, those three points. What you hit three of those, you're nine up, and then you score a couple of tries, and then mm. you're a couple you're a couple more points up, and then they come back, and then they score, and then you know they they just keep. Ticking that scoreboard over, I think yeah. that's very that's very Crusader rugby, um, and I don't think the Blues want to play that. They don't want to identify themselves as doing that. I think they're they're good enough to realise that they've got these attacking weapons, so why not attack? Mm. That's a fair call, mate. But I guess hate it or love it, the Crusaders yeah. are winners at the end of the day. Um, but I'll get to my last oh. point, mate. <laughs> yeah, bro, you, me and you both. That's how I feel about them. Um, but I know a lot of talk. You know, especially last year was around the outside backs and who mm. Ian Foster and co were going to go with, you know, considering how much talent we do have there uh, at those 11, 14 and 15 positions. But I'd like to get your take on this. 
Do you think that the All Black selectors will have a tougher time picking midfielders this year than any other, I guess, combination or um, position on the field going into our I think, 2021? I think it will be a tie. It will be a tie between, and I'm talking the All Black squad here mm. for position, not not jersey number. I'm talking position squad members here, and I'm saying midfielders as well as loose forwards. They're, they're going to be the, the they're 50 50 with each other, I reckon. They share the even weight of the difficultness to select those those positions. Yeah, there are quite a few talented boys roaming around um, in, in, you know, in the five clubs with their back threes, and even guys that aren't starting at the moment, like you said, with the likes of Tom Robinson, you know, coming on the field and, and doing what they do, bringing that impact. So. Yeah, well, I think, it is I think we're drying point. up on the lock stocks. That's the one position we yeah. need to start worrying about. We're, we're starting to dry up. You know, we haven't seen Brady Retallick in what feels like 10 years now. Sam Whitelock's no spring chicken. Sam, Sam Whitelock's, you know, he's, he's, he's still unbelievable. He's, he's, he's probably still one of the world's best locks, but, you know, he's not getting any younger anytime soon. Patrick Tuipolotu, you know. And then, you know, you've got Scott Barrett, but who's who's up there next? We haven't really seen Putty. We haven't seen uh Quinton Strange. You know, you've got you got uh oh, what's his name, the young fella from the Chiefs, he's injured at the moment. Tupuvai, yeah. Yeah, Tupuvai. So I think there's still some question there's some big question marks I reckon this season around the locking locking combinations. And who's who's who are they going to pick for the future? Yeah, mate, and we've only got another two years to get that right. So, yeah. fingers crossed, we get some tall timber sticking mm. their hands up, mate. Um, but that's a wrap on this week's yep. podcast, bro. Or you know, leading into this week's podcast. And as always, bro, like with any guests I have on, I really appreciate you taking some time out. And I, of course, need to get you on later on down the piece to help Too me cover easy. some of the All Black games. Look forward to that, mate. Looking forward to that. All right. You have a great rest of your week, Tim. Catch you later. Yeah, mate. Cheers.